Okay, everyone, welcome to our Star Trek Trek Trek. And this time we are doing a review of the first episode of the animated series Beyond the Father's Star, the series that launched the final moments of the original series, the rebirth of Star Trek when syndication hit and they realised, oh, actually, people like this dumb sci-fi show. Let's <laughs> let's commission some more and make movies and do new series. But before they did all that, they did an animated series which was not canon, then was canon, and now is canon conclusively since they've included quite a lot of people. But this is like kind of... I mean, I've only watched the animated series once through. I've not watched it recently. But have you guys... How, how much of TAS have you actually have you guys actually watched? I did the exact same thing. I, I um, As a Trek fan, I was like, I really should watch TAS. So I watched it once through and I, I enjoyed it. Hmm. But it... Um, at the time, it wasn't enough to sort of have me rewatch it. Hmm. But watching it again with you guys, I actually really appreciated a lot of it. But which is ironic because we had so little to say on this watch along. We were actually like engaged in the episode. So yeah, no, I've only seen two or three episodes all the way through, which I should probably watch them ahead of time because our our rewatch is not like a normal rewatch. It's basically just us trying to get in as many jokes as we can in a 42-minute period. So. so this episode was written by Samuel A. Peoples, who, uh, if you're not aware, was the writer on Where No Man Has Gone Before, classic episode, and is also an additional writer, uncredited, however, on, on The Wrath of Khan. Um, so he's had a, a uh, yeah uh, yeah so a little bit of a wow. yeah so he's uh, I think additional like not not a major work but maybe a few little lines he, here and there but he did all of all of Montalban's scripts <laughs> uh, all yeah. of his lines so, and Joachim so this so was, in the uh, yeah. TAS movie they're gonna go yeah. back and this plant that the, the creature's gonna like what revenge on Kirk <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan, the animated series. How about that? That would, I, you know, actually, if it was in the style, I would watch this. So, yeah, this this was great. Like, I kind of really enjoyed. Like, we say we were watching along, but I kind of enjoyed this. It was very, like, Star Trek's known for its techno babble, even for like original series standards. This was very techno babble heavy. This felt least like a t an original series episode than anything else I'd, I think I've seen, to be honest. But it actually worked, right? Like, hmm. just the cutting back, what I mentioned during the rewatch is the, the scenes were a little more balanced between the main characters and supporting characters like Sulu and Uhura. And, uh, you know, one of, one of the pieces of trivia that I think most people know, but I'll repeat it here just since this is our first TAS, is that originally they weren't going to hire back George Takei and Michelle Nichols and they oh, were just going to have Doohan, like... Oh, you didn't know that? No, oh, yeah, they were going to have Doohan like, do all these voices and, and Majel Barrett do all these voices. Hmm. Um, but Leonard Nimoy put his foot down. He was like, either they're in or I'm, oh, wow. I'm out. So he actually got them onto TAS. And the, you know, the texture of having the diversity of voices definitely helps the episode. Which, to be fair, for like... Yeah. An animated series, like, they could have got anyone to voice. Like, no, Star Trek was popular. It was... You know, people loved it on the reruns, but they could have said, we're doing an animated series. And it's it's kind of like a Saturday morning cartoon thing. And they could have got anyone to do the voices. The fact they got the original cast back was a testament to, I think, how much they liked doing it. Well, but they also cut a lot of corners because mm. you can hear Majel, uh Whenever Majel's voicing a character, like you can tell. Yeah. Uh, 
So even Doohan, to to a point, you know, he's talented, but there's lots of times you're like, okay, that's Doohan doing doing this character too. So yeah, that's that's uh, Doohan doing a, a Dalek. Yeah. Yes. Obey, <laughs> <laughs> obey. Yeah. Shall we? Shall we? Um, shall we jump in and talk about the biggest like, the biggest overall Trek continuity thing in this whole episode is like life support belts. Like, they just came yeah. in and just went, we can put these belts on it, anything's fine. We can walk in space, we can get crushed by, like, really heavy machinery. It's all fine, you're just wearing this belt. Like, that was a kind of, like, obviously we know at this point canon is, like, where, whatever. But it's interesting that, you know, going back to first contact, if you imagine, you know, Hawk, Picard, and Worf walking onto the surface of the Enterprise <laughs> with just a little, t- you know, Batman tactical utility belt. <laughs> it's like, I've got my grappling but to hook be fair, But to be fair, that, that scene is better for them being in the EV mm. suits. So, Oh, no doubt. But yeah, I'm, I, I am picking at straws but, here. Like, it is a very much a unique, this is an anime show, don't take it seriously, kind of almost a Lower Decks way. If Lower Decks does something, we kind of go, ha wouldn't that be funny? But I think here it's almost kind yeah. of egregious to kind of go like, it's a life support belt, we can do what we want. Yeah, even though like the alien ship and planet designs on the show are great and they're very mm. like psychedelic for the era, mm. uh, Filmation is famously super cheap with their assets just reusing anything so the idea of them having to redo like a second set of illustrations for spacesuits was anathema to them so they just no, want we'll to just do a yellow outline with... glow around them yeah <laughs> i love i love the life support belts i think it makes more sense i think it makes sense that everyone on a spaceship would have a life support belt in the case of accidental decompression you know well, when yeah, you're constantly being attacked by klingons and romulans why wouldn't you have life support belts of some sort on you so at we all just times? we just reviewed naked now and they had the same plant in like three different <laughs> scenes, but we're ragging on animated series for for budgetary concerns. So the thing is, like, that's right. Could you imagine if you were going to the toilet and you left your life support belt on without knowing it? What would happen? <laughs> no, just me. Okay, sorry, bringing it down. No um, one goes to the toilet in the future, idol. Oh, just sorry, yes, they right just, out of you. Yeah. <laughs> and recycled into apples. Which, by the way, that reminds me of one of my favorite. Uh, um, what is it like pop culture references to star trek in in breaking bad the guys are sitting around uh getting high and the one is telling the story about how was it Chekhov and mr spock were having a pie eating contest and like Chekhov was cheating by having scotty uh beam the contents of his stomach (laughs) Out, you know, out so he could keep eating more pie and win the contest. But then Uhura like distracted Scotty and he accidentally beamed his innards into space. <laughs> and he does like a five minute, five minute uh, monologue just on this this stupid Star Trek theory. And it's like, yes, this is the kind of discussions that Trek fans have all the time. It was great. That feels like a monologue that Quentin Tarantino would have ghosted. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for Breaking Bad. Hey, fingers crossed, you know, when he does the next Trek movie, that's what we're going to get. I'm for it. I'm yeah. for it. All right, how about how about um, the plot? I mean, this is a pretty much a very tropey episode, like, for Star Trek. I mean, the tropey for Star Trek before tropes were a thing, really. Um, like, you know, it's the alien organism that infects the computer, takes over everything, makes demands of the crew, and then the crew, and then Kirk outsmarts it and puts his life on the line to sort of uh, kick it out of the ship. But how, how do we feel about the overall plot of the episode for this one? I mean, I, I, like uh, Otto said during the rewatch, like Star Trek actually originated a lot of these tropes. So it's mm. hard to hold 
it against them for being tropey. But yeah, you have the we've accidentally beamed something back with us onto the ship, which ironically was just in naked naked time that we just rewatched before. Mm. Oh, I mean, this is a completely separate day. Never, never, don't mind. That. <laughs> but, uh, yes, continuity. Um, Come on. Yeah, you know, the ship coming alive. That's that's also like a, a major trope. Mm. Oh yeah, bridge defenses. Like they have that whole kind this of like. Trope. I, yeah, I wrote down like seven different. Tro- you have the, you have the very masks, uh, TNG masks feel of of taking over the ship. You have Regic from Wolf in the Fold, which I think was also voiced by Duhan, uh, yeah. or, or maybe they had, whatever. Yeah, you have the Naked Now. You have the Galaxy Quest. I mean, this is not a direct thing, but the, the space belts made me think of when the slime covers them and they fly off into space. Because <laughs> all they have is that little yellow glow. You have the malfunctioning defense system, which they did with Ducat and DS9. I, they did that with TNG and data, like dodging the yeah. shots and stuff. So, yeah, I, it's hard to tell how many of these originated uh, in TAS and how many were just like floating around there and have been reused throughout the ages. I think there's a lot of like legacy big site you know you know star trek itself started off with you know uh harlan ellison writing big site you know big sci-fi concept writers coming on and doing a lot of work like this and this kind of has extended it you know they start by you know orbiting a dead star and getting trapped in the orbit and finding a very sort of elaborate spaceship that um they have to sort of go on and investigate on this like you know very deep sci-fi concepts that are worked in a 24 minute animated show and they really cram it in and it, it, it's is what I say. This is very different from TOS, where TOS was more focused on the human story in a way, like you know how a human's different here, how a human's different there, and there wasn't you know budgets being what they are for a live action thing. You can't really do anything that's too alien, otherwise you have to kind of stretch the wallet a little bit. But here they had this huge, great like web of a starship. They approached. They had a a whole sort of thing. That was the kind of the storyline I was more interested in before the alien kind of infected the ship. But even that, you know, a dead starship that was orbiting a dead star trapped in its orbit, infected by uh, a, an alien consciousness consciousness that has negative gravity somehow, um, ends up infecting the ship. You know, it's it's a great concept for a story. I like it. But it was, it was rushed. I mean, it's 24 minutes, so where can you go with it? Well, it's... So when you first hear, or when you first heard personally, uh, or made aware that they did an animated series, hmm. what were your first thoughts in terms of seriousness? Because when I heard it, I think, oh, it's, it's going to be a kid's show then. Hmm. So that's part of the reason why I never got around to watching it. I didn't really want to watch a morning Saturday morning cartoon version of it. But all the budget they save from doing animation really lets you do the, that high concept stuff, which this episode was jam-packed full of. Yeah, it's interesting. They... It's an animated show. They make no attempt to really gear this towards kids. Like Prodigy, on the other hand, is very like there, you can tell. There's a lot of sort of thought, uh, sort of deferential uh, thought to the like research that like Sesame Street did in terms of how to like teach lessons to children through your your storytelling. Prodigy. This is just a Star Trek episode cut down to 24 minutes. Like, they're not really <laughs> trying to like. Teach morality lessons here i think that was always the approach i think like gene Roddenberry came along and said like you know we're gonna make an an he didn't want to make an animated series but eventually turned around to it to go right we'll do this because the interest still there for us to get another 
and this is back when he was thinking about doing phase two you know like get the interest there to then make another series so i think that's probably why a lot of the actors came on board as like right this is your leaping spot there so i think it was always considered to be for the time probably the first adult animation i can't think of any other show from that era because it's all Hanna Barbera and you know Disney and that kind of thing there wasn't really the concept of oh adults should watch this cartoon or or that or they didn't know how to gear Star Trek to kids like there wasn't like we'll just do the same what we've been doing and animate it in our funky you know a funky walks and our reactions and our soundtracks yeah. we're gonna hear a million times yeah they're basically like we'll, we'll cut out Kirk's romance like <laughs> That'll, and that, that'll that's where the entire the 24 minutes saved comes from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. You're not I, wrong, actually. <laughs> I, I do think it suffered, the time suffered a little bit because they, they probably storyboarded ideas similarly to the way they did in TOS. But when you have to cut it down, you, get, you, you pull out a lot of character building stuff and the quiet moments. And uh, that kind of segues into something else I want to talk about because we have a couple musicians here. Mm. They uh, they underlaid music the the entire way, and a lot of it was kind of uh, suspense building. Was it too much? I felt like by minute fifteen plus, I'm like, okay, I need a yeah. I need a breath now because we're kind of on this wild ride the whole time. The music is is like that the entire show. They have like three songs, three or four songs, and they repeat them. Like there was, they basically had the orchestra in for like one or two days and went, Here, here's your scores, record it, that's all we're doing. We're not doing scores for every single episode. This, you know, And they were on a budget, they were on a filmation budget, so you, you can tell. Um, the theme song's great. I love the theme song. Yeah, it's, it's a little of its era. You know, it, it mm. sounds like a prime time kind of drama show right yeah like they've switched they've they've they were like no more theramine we're just gonna go trumpets <laughs> you know i'm a little surprised they didn't just recycle the the theme from yeah. the tv show but yeah this this works this works for like i want to say kids it's not kids oriented but you know it's an animated show so it, it's a little more adventure theme than the uh I should play it to my children. I haven't actually played it to my children. I would be interested because I've got, you know, uh, current day, I've got a, a, a seven and a four year old. Like, I've been cr- intrigued to see what they make of it, whether they watch it or not. Do your kids not think you're uncool enough yet? Do you need to. No, they haven't worked out what cool and uncool is. I'm just the one that tells them what to do at the okay. moment, and then they just yeah. ignore me. But um, anyway. Uh, should we talk about best and worst moments? Which is going to be an interesting one because this was a bit of a wild ride um, for. They weren't really. Well, yeah, guys, best and worst moments. Shy. Yeah, I'm I mean, picking I like on you the, again. <laughs> uh, the ship, like just the. I actually like the techno babble up front. Um, just <laughs> to reference a show that's on now, Andor. Hmm. There's like, mi- like tons of that show is just people standing sitting around at a conference table talking, and it's fascinating. And um, and maybe it's because it's. Uh, one of the few moments in the animated series where there's quieter music, but it's kind of nice just hearing the old cast talking to one <laughs> another. Uh, but I'd, I would say the best moment is in the show thing that I like is just the the design, like the animation design, not the animations itself, mm. but the style is it's very striking. It's it's fun. Uh, my best moment was <clears throat> after they put on their weight belts and they beam over. 
and they're standing uh, on the exterior of this giant structure, and you see them, you know, as tiny little stick figures. And it made me think, I've read a lot of Star Trek books, and, you know, as you're reading them, you use your imagination to paint mm-hmm. to paint the universe. And you have, I'm, you know, whether you realize or not, everyone has sort of a style. They picture things, either it's, you know, close to photorealistic, close to the, the series that you know characters from, or whatever it is. But it made me realize that, that this animation and what they were doing, especially in this moment, was probably closer to my my headcanon when I read these books <laughs> than even than even the regular series are. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you can read books and think, oh, the, the character wouldn't say that or they wouldn't behave that way. But the build, the world you build in your head is is always a little bit different, I think. And, and for whatever reason, just the that style and the scale and the aspect of awe uh, really worked for me. Yeah, it really evokes... It looks like the old covers of, like, pulp softcover yeah, sci-fi exactly. books. You know, which is just great. Were we supposed to name our worst moments? Yeah, sure, go for it. We'll, we'll circle back around. Yeah, oh, okay. okay. Um, let's do, let's I, do, it'll give us you, your best. Yeah. I... I like how... I think, like, for just a moment, I like how much they gave Uhura and Zulu... Like, like you said earlier, uh, Shai, how much they gave them some dialogue that wasn't just sort of yes sir or no sir. Like there was a or just a, a corny moment where they interacted with the crew. It was actually like a moment of their interacting and being major proponents of the cast. And this will come more as we watch more of TAS. I think you'll see. I think there is an Ahura centric episode at some point, which is a great moment. But I, I did really sort of like how. We got to know more of them. And I liked also the introduce introduction of, although he doesn't say anything or do anything in this episode, like when you see Arex on the bridge and you're thinking, there's an alien at the con. And, you know, we see, you know, TAS is, is a venue for more outlandish designs. And although they are, they are in this episode, maybe a bit more conservative, I think they do get a little bit more abstract as it goes on, especially when we get to like episodes that feature Spock 2 and things like that so um when it really goes off the rails this was quite a conservative episode i think in terms of how off the rails tas goes but yeah given given the secondary characters uh, a good time how, how how about worst moments for you well as as much as i like the design and style of the animation the the execution of the animation and the the like reuse of frames mm. and the same running sequence this is filmation has done this their entire yeah. their entire existence uh we were i was i was complaining how <laughs> in the rewatch how disney had like 30 40 years previous to this innovated all this like multi-layer animation cell technology you could shoot through it you could kind of create this depth of field and filmation was just like no screw it we're just gonna <laughs> press everything flat <laughs> shoot it and and reuse that same sequence over top of different backgrounds over and over and over again um, even so as a kid, even in like the eighties, like late seventies, eighties, as a kid, I was like, this is terrible animation. <laughs> even for the time, it was not as you're drinking your juice box. You're like, <laughs> as I'm drinking my Kool-Aid, I was like, you know, cause, cause in the eighties, like filmation's big offering was He-Man. Right. Mm. And even that was, they reused tons in He-Man over and over again, but even that was slightly more sophisticated animation. TAS. So when TAS would come on in reruns I, I sort of switch off what it didn't catch my eye so I, I had to wait till adulthood to actually watch it so so yeah the <laughs> animation technology is the worst part like the storytelling the voices that's all great but then the, the actual animation is all. 
Yeah, I don't have necessarily worst scene, but the worst aspect for me would be the the pacing because it it did feel like they cut out all the character building stuff and mm-hmm. just went with story, 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 yeah. and bam, bam, bam. and yeah. I love my I love my Trekno babble, but if you get you know seven solid minutes of it, it's like you know I start to zone out a little bit. So uh, yeah, I think that that could have been a forty-two minute episode, and they could have put in a lot of little extra bits for me. Um, I yeah, I, I would go on the Trek No Babble for me as well. Like, it was it was a lot of it, which is fine. I I don't mind that, but I think my issue was a lot of it was just nonsense. It was just like negative gravity and like the dark area of space. And there were a few moments where you know they were saying like initiate the warp drive, and then the the, the, the Enterprise just shimmers, and then it appears on the other side of the moon as like what even happened here? Like it it was more kind of like yeah, which, it's animation. Who it felt like they were doing yeah, it's animation. Who cares? No no one's going to care about this kind of stuff. But oh no no no, you do not know who you're dealing with here. Um, <laughs> we care about. But ironically, go ahead. Share. That shim- that shimmering sequence is actually how warp drive would, would well look yeah in yeah because <laughs> warp drive is supposed to be folding space around the ship yeah uh so some, and moving space around the enterprise um i wanted to say my alternate best moment of this of the episode is this sort of little fly twilight zone uh moment where they've stranded the entity on the planet oh god and yeah. it's like please yeah. don't leave me alone you actually feel bad I'm so lonely like it was nice and dark and they just kind of just go right next system let's go (laughs) fuck all that (laughs) Uh, i I gotta backtrack and and shout this episode out i can't remember the last time i heard someone talk about it vis-a-vis the voyager episode with steph and the folding spaceship uh steph played by dan butler who played bulldog in fraser where that's (laughs) where i that's where i knew him from but anyway that that was such a great concept of folding space and the uh you know and like you said that what they do with the what's the word i'm looking for the way that they make it look the graphics basically Mm. for that is totally different from the normal warp drive they have in every other episode of star trek so that was a really cool concept and that's not exactly where they went with this episode but i just got a shout out vis-a-vis because no one ever talks about it right yeah it's funny because in tos they never show you warp drive no that's true other than so in, in the original pilot where they they sort of overlay the star field and start playing the theme song <laughs> da, right da, they all just yeah. show it kind of moving off of yeah, screen, going yeah. faster than light yeah yeah that's true you don't see it till the motion picture when they actually show you kind of zooming out you know when they have the you know the wormhole problem torpedoes of it you know and all that right. um, the pride warp drive <laughs> yeah not been tested. Should listen to Decker. Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> getting sidetracked here. We knew, we're approaching don't, the motion picture. Don't stop on the excited. Decker reference, please. <laughs> Never listen to Decker. Never listen to Decker. Um, this, yeah, I, I kind of want to say the. How, how much do you think like it took for them to get Shatner back in the booth? For what kind of money? Like this is because do you, do you feel like aside from Nimoy, Nimoy was very Spock in this. Like I was listening to him thinking, yeah, you're absolutely channeling Spock. You're doing everything. McCoy had a few lines here or there, but you didn't get any. Like like you said, Auto, you didn't get any of that sort of old country doctor sort of sitting down with a um, his glass of bourbon with Kirk and chastising him about you know abusing the female crew members. But do you do you, how do you feel about like Shatner in this? Like because he was bringing a little bit of Shatnerism to it. But do you think it was this? This was just him walking to the booth and just kind of going, "I'm doing my bit and I'll have my money." Or 
Do you think he kind of put his full Kirk into this? So to speak. Uh, so I have I I haven't watched the whole series, but I've watched bits pieces here and there, and there are definitely episodes where he's completely phoning it in. And there's episodes, other episodes, where if you close your eyes, you could see him on the bridge of the Enterprise mm. or, or wherever doing doing the stuff. So, there, yeah, like there's two moments I think where they zap the alien zaps him on the bridge, and he goes from a normal speaking voice to like totally pain screeching voice, and it's like there is such a dissonance there where kind of it kind of wakes you up. But uh, yeah, it 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 is hit or miss throughout the series to mm. me. But uh, at least the main cast are all recognizable because mm. we watched so much TOS. Yeah, that's for me. It's like sometimes Shatner, when he's bored or tired, the way like Nicholas Meyer would wear him down by making him do takes over and over and over again on Ravikon. That Shatner is actually your best Shatner because he's 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 tamping down his charisma and sort of bombastic nature, and he's just kind of quiet. And that's often Shatner's best performance style. And in this episode, you you could he's definitely not giving you full Shatner. It's just, it's just the tip. He's giving you just the tip of Kirk. <laughs> um, and uh, like in the one just, scene just, where... Yeah, just the bridge defense module of uh, Shatner. Well, yeah, exactly. Where it's like, did you try the... He's supposed to, Clearly the line's supposed to be, did you try the manual override? But Shatner goes, did you try the mutual override? <laughs> yeah. And I'm envisioning that, that he was just... He was so like over it. He, he was just like, I, you get the one take. I'm not, I'm not doing it yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> like, but you got the line wrong. Right. It's fine. No one's going to notice. Let's we're going to agree to override tonight. That's, <laughs> That's right. what we're going to do. <laughs> so I'm having flashbacks, Shide, to your uh, your reciting Shatner and our charity stream, uh, uh, the Trouble with Tribbles episode. Because right. that is that's that's muted Shatner and the little the Shatner. little Shatnerisms you know all right Ensign or you know whatever you do you can do better than I can but it, the little Shatnerisms sometimes <laughs> are things that only he and there, apparently yeah. Shyporn uh, only he and Shyporn can deliver so <laughs> yeah yeah man maybe that's why I'm an an unemployed actor right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you know, it's it's similar to Schwarzenegger, where everybody can do get to the chopper, yeah, yeah. but but no one can do like the the quiet moments. Yeah. So, are there quiet Schwarzenegger moments? Uh, supposedly, I don't. <laughs> I can't recall any off the top of my head. But I'm sure they're out there. Somewhere yeah, jingle all the way, on, or was that? The oh, there is. There's the there's a come on, Bennett. Stick a knife in me. See what's going on in there. And <laughs> there you found it. There you go. All right. Uh, how? Right, I'm going to come up with the rating now. How many chief engineers being crushed by a uh, clan? What? Did you have something? Did you have one? Give it to us, Otto. No, it's too late now. Oh. No, 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 no. He hasn't finished. No, it's true. It's fine. No, no, you go for it. I just came up on the fly. If you've got something prepared, we'll go for it. It's considering it's the. Yeah. See, mine's mine's too hard of the episode though. It's not obscure enough for stars. Oh you no, know, it's fine. No, no, no. Go, go, go. How many fair? How many fair use appropriated sci-fi tropes out of ten <laughs> would you rate? Okay, this that'll, episode? Do, that'll do. That'll do. Um, That's fine. Go on, Shy. Oh. I also I will give this a seven. Mm, okay. Yeah, it's a solid it's a solid pilot for TAS. You know, it's they they hit all the points. I like, you know, had the animation been better as a child, I, I probably would have watched more of of the show. But the story is there. Yeah. 
I've mentally, because I was thinking about this for the last 30 minutes, mentally it's, it's sort of lowered over time. I put this at a five fair use appropriated sci-fi tropes out of 10 because I think it's a good pilot, but it's a mediocre episode. And it's, mm. it's very polarized for me because I didn't enjoy the pacing. When I sat through it, I didn't, I didn't always enjoy what I was watching. Like we, we had just watched Naked Now previously and I was having a good time the whole way through. And, and this wasn't always great. It didn't always land, but there's so much potential. When you realize how much they can do with animation, all the, all the scripts that are suddenly back on the table that they could do, uh, you know, hand-drawn. And uh, so in terms of, you know, watching this for the first time as a pilot, would I want to watch more of this? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But the episode itself was a little bit kind of boring, a little bit too much story, too much techno babble, and so yeah. it's right in the middle. But, five but out here's of the thing. Here's the thing, right? It's it's like when you're sitting down to a meal, the 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 litmus test for the quality is are people talking or not? Like we weren't talking. We were just sitting there watching this episode yeah. until we realized we were recording ourselves. <laughs> and we kind of forced ourselves to start commenting on it. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, what, I don't. What's your what's your I, I kind of agree with the five, but I think for different reasons. I think this kind of focuses on what people at the time thought the original series was without knowing what it was. Like it focused on the oh, I know Star Trek is this ship that goes through space and they do things sci-fi stuff as opposed to there is characterization with the crew and the cast and there is those moments where the characters define themselves with the moral amb- you know it had the moral dilemma but it didn't focus on the moral dilemma they kind of had this entity board the ship and they kicked it off and then that was that they didn't focus on what the entity's motives were or why it wanted to stay or have Shatner try and sort of talk it out of it they just kind of dealt with it and I think it missed a few of the, the, the notes that made TOS as defining as it was for the reason it was so revolutionary at the time but um yeah I'd, I'd say a five maybe a six maybe a 5.5 I, I would push it up to there like it was it was great it was good it was entertaining but it wasn't the whole picture of what it, it should be i think i think yeah i think it lets down a story animation is kind of its own thing i think i, I think i said to you shy before we, we started like i like the animation because it is of its own style it sticks to it the whole right. way and that's kind of endearing in a way like you know what you're gonna get as opposed to like you know um either overcomplicating certain parts but then cheapening on something else it's just cheap the whole way through but that kind of gives it its yeah. own style like it's I, yeah that's, I know that's I'm why getting... I'm, I'm not deducting mm. i'm not deducting any points for the sort of the unsophisticated animation yeah uh, technology that's going on like, like if, you, if i were you, to actually yeah. compare this to other animated shows it would be very low like the, the fact that but the fact not... is so stylized means like people uh i forget the guy that produced it but some of the guy that did um the tng tas style one of the voyager tas remakes on go check them out on youtube they're incredible Those are really so good. good they are really good and that's like testament to ts having it's enough of an own style that people can replicate it fun you know funimation is much to credit to that as anything else for being so cheap but it it works and i like that i have to shoehorn in one more subject after we've done the rating but it just occurred to me that one of the things that maybe was a little bit jarring is they don't necessarily interact with each other it's like mm. they're reading their lines and they're all a part of the story but the characters themselves don't interact too much with them with each other and as someone who doesn't watch a lot of animation uh, maybe you guys can tell me how how do you work that into a story how do you get characters to interact with each other and and have the viewer believe that 
I think Lower Decks is kind of like the example of that. Like you definitely get, you feel like there's a connection between Mariner and Boimler, or you feel like Tendi and, um, excuse me, Tendi and Rutherford definitely have a connection because you have those moments where they have uh, intimate moments, not like you know, intimate, but like you know, personal moments with each other, and you feel the storyline expand. But because this is paced in a sort of a way where the drama and the techno babble overtook the personal moments, they didn't have those times to sort of connect and the story didn't allow them to do it as opposed to the um the format the medium itself i think um there's definitely you know yeah, a lot of, yeah go on i was gonna say yeah a lot of times in animation like actors won't even meet each other mm. they'll just lay down their lines separately and and the director will direct them like well like, they're doing it more like this so you will you want to react like this um but i mean they even did this in live action right like famously shatner and Multivon in wrath of khan didn't tape opposite each other because they're shooting on the same set right the reliant was just a redressed uh enterprise set so they shot those scenes i believe like three or six months apart so they didn't they were just doing those in a vacuum and it it works beautifully Uh, so it's Mm -hmm. up to the editor and the director to really put that yeah so tas our first episode done um we will be back with our next Star Trek 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 very soon. Keep an eye on the YouTube channel. Uh, and I think, uh, I don't know what we're doing next. We have to leave it up to our subscribers. So if you are a subscriber, please, a Twitch subscriber, that is, uh, head over to our Discord, over to the sub channel. There will be a vote for you to fill in. So please go and fill it in and let us know which episode you would like us to tackle next. So from myself and the guys, we will see you later. Live long and prosper and ta-ra. Mm-hmm.